Hello, everybody. You are listening to the MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast that helps you get the most out of the Microsoft services you use on all your mobile devices. On this episode, we will be discussing Office Online versus Google Docs. We are going to discuss uh, which phone should replace your aging and dying Lumia 1520. And of course, we will share our personal app, music, and podcast picks. My name is Vernon E.L. Smith. I am joined today by David V. Kimball. David, good evening, sir. Good evening to you, Vernon. And I see, for people that are listening, they won't see this, but I see you're clean shaven. That is true. I uh, do not know why I did that, but I did. And um, I think mostly because it's it's summer and because I've had the uh, the beard for a while. I don't know, about a year or so, three quarters of a year. And it was time. It was time for was something time. different. And um, I don't know. Yeah, summer, I guess. You just felt the change in the winds and had to act accordingly. Sure. Yeah, Come I on, it sounded poetic. Roll with yes, it so I don't yes, get embarrassed that. to that. Change of the oh, winds. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, right. So we have this great thing called a Slack group, and you should totally join it if you're a listener and you like to geek out about not facial hair, which we've been talking about for the majority of this episode so far, but, uh, you know, Microsoft technologies, and uh, we kind of branch out into a bunch of different ecosystems as well. And we'll be doing that a little bit this episode, actually. We'll be comparing some different ecosystems. Um, but if you'd like to join it, just go to msmobileshow.com slash slack. I guess you should subscribe first, too. I think I skipped something, Vernon. Hmm. Well, yeah, you can sub- subscribe to the show. You can follow us on Twitter. You can email us. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. But if you want to get on the inside track of what we are talking about and the people that listen to the show, those high-end enthusiasts, what they're chatting about, join us in Slack. And we have some people in the... Uh, People in the chat room as we record this that are uh, very active in the Slack chat, Slack channel, and it's a wonderful, jolly good time. Oh, it's quite jolly. If you had to put one word to it, jolly would be the first one. Indeed. Well, let's start off with something we screwed up last week, as every good podcast should start off with. <laughs> we talked about, and I, I warned in last episode about just, uh, you know, talking you know uh naming names off the top of our heads basically naming names well and uh, we talked about the microsoft podcast which we love and we listen to and it's kind of all part of this this one community here and we completely forgot how could we have possibly forgotten the dear mary Jo foley and the wonderful paul thurat on windows weekly which of course with with uh leo laporte so i don't know how we missed that but yeah um thank you for thank you um who, who pointed that out to us? I forget now. Uh, somebody pointed it out. Well, thank you. And, and to clarify again, it was not in our host notes to thank any other podcast. That was something I threw in Vernon's face. And like a tra- champ, he took the challenge and got... I'd, I'd give you a clean 91% on that impromptu test. I'll take it. Is that What's fair? That a, is that a B plus? I don't know. I think it's an A minus, a solid A minus. Okay. Uh, we also missed Surface Geeks. That's uh, David McCabe. And a thank you again to... Um, I don't remember who told us that. Thank, uh, I forgot. And also Sam's report, uh, which of course was, was with Brad Sam's. Three more awesome podcasts, a Microsoft-focused podcasts, and of course we rattle off another list of them from last episode. So go back if you didn't listen to last episode. We give a good list of great Microsoft podcasts to listen to, in addition to our own, obviously. So indeed, and I think next week you're going to say. 
The mistake we made last week was <laughs> I didn't remember who told, corrected us from last week, <laughs> two weeks ago. So I can rectify that right now. It was Daryl. Daryl Pitcher. <laughs> okay, awesome. That was a but, close one. <laughs> yeah. Woof. But folks, if you if, if you uh, have a favorite Microsoft podcast that you listen to that we did not name, please let us know. Perhaps we simply forgot it again and already love that show, or we have not checked it out yet. We would love to uh, listen to that as well. And speaking of promoting thyself, if you're on the Slack channel, you'll see a new channel where if you are working on some cool project, like you're starting up a new podcast, for example, you are able to plug it in our newest Slack. Let's see, there's channels and there's room. This, I'm getting confused because in Discord, there are servers and there are channels. And in Slack, there there's are... channels and channels. And chats, maybe. I don't know. Threads? Conversations? <laughs> What what are like when because you have they, they do it by domain name so it's something we have msmobileshow.slack.com. so what is that is that a room or a server maybe a server but they don't they don't ever call it that yeah okay anyway. forget it <coughs> excuse me anyway if you join the join us in Slack which I'll just stop talking about that after this you will find one of our dear friends of ours who's on the show will be having a Microsoft Focus podcast revamping up soon anyway, which we did mention about recently. But uh, join us in Slack and we'll uh, you'll hear about that again as soon as it gets going. Um, wow, let's, let's get started for real this time. On Twitter yesterday, maybe even today, boy, I don't remember now, um, someone... Uh, a, a Twitter friend, an internet friend of mine from uh, quite some time back, uh, he mentioned to me, he asked, uh, my 1520 is starting, you know, it's, uh, it's on its last legs or something. Should I get the 830 or should I go with the 830 or should I get the 640 XL? And I think that was actually somewhat in response to a tweet that I had. I shared that. Recently, I've been – see, I, I shouldn't do this off the top of my head. I should actually look it up. So um, I said something like, recently, I've seen more people in the wild. I'm stalling because I'm looking for – there we go. Something surprising I've been hearing from several civilians lately. I like the Lumia 640XL because of the camera. Now, the Lumia 640XL has been out, I don't know, a year or something like that. Uh, and it's it's a entry-level phone. Well, okay. It's kind of an entry-level phone, but some people that I know that have this and they don't know Windows Phone from, you know, Android, uh, they oh I love this camera on here. Wow, it's great. And one of these people who said they love this camera actually came from the 1020. That was her first smartphone. So I don't know what that actually means more about them or about the phone. <laughs> um, and obviously, I will not give any more hints as to who this person is. But uh, and then another person that I work with, they, uh, they hate Apple, but they had an Android and they got the 640XL because of insurance or something, and they just wanted to get a cheap phone at AT and T, whatever. They got this this phone, Lumia 640XL. Like, oh, I love the camera on this thing. I can't understand anything about the phone. I can't figure it out. And they had you know even uninstalled uh, AT and T Drive off of it, and uh, or even removed it from the start screen. But they love the camera. I'm like, okay, well, that really got me thinking. These cheap, what we think, we as enthusiasts think of these cheap entry-level phones, well, uh, the cameras are still pretty good on them, apparently. So as I was continuing the conversation on Twitter about what should replace uh, this friend of mine's uh, 1520, 
this 650 got dropped into the mix as well. Boom. So I'm like, hmm, hmm, stroking the no longer on my chin beard. I'm like, well, let's uh, let's do this on the show. So I asked permission if we could talk about that, um, and we are. Yeah, and see, this is the rub, is the great divide between Windows 10 Mobile and Windows Phone 8.1. So what are sort of your initial thoughts, Vernon, about... Because two of the devices you mentioned... We've mentioned the devices already, right? Uh, Barely. We will cover that again, but... um when we get deeper, yeah. so the six, yeah, six forty XL, eight thirty, and the nine, the six fifty, and this is in reference to replacing this the fifteen twenty for let's say the next year or let's call okay. it ten months. Who knows when we'll get another flagship Windows Phone device? Hmm. And replacing fifteen twenty, it sort of depends on the definition of what you mean by replacing the 1520. If you want it to replace it in the sense that you would like it to be as similar as possible to, or replace it as the worthy successor of, those are two different things. Well, uh, I do have the chat up at this point, and and the point is made that the HP Elite X3 would be a great flagship and a wonderful replacement to the 1520. No question there. That phone is what? 850 bucks i don't recall exactly um and so personally i just well we won't go there i mean that that's a great that's a great conversation for another time and um truly a very good point that that could be the phone but we're going to compare these three because i think a lot of people are at that point in which hmm i just want something to tide me over and i think that's very reasonable yeah, yeah, it is. Because obviously the 950 and 950XL aren't included on this. We're trying to get similar price points, similar specs. And those would just kind of, you know, blow it out of the water, I think. That's that's true. Because neither none of these run Continuum, obviously. And I really should not have drank a carbonated beverage before I started the show here. But um, let's... <coughs> not as bad as last episode. <laughs> so let's just start with... Uh, with well, the old, how old they are, okay? The 830 has been out, boy, year, over a year, year and, I don't know, 12, um, almost a year and a half, I bet. The 830. The 640XL, I really should have looked this up to, I think it came out in the middle of last year. Let's say it's about 10 months old, something like that, maybe. I don't know, throwing this out there. And then the 650, I think, has been available for a couple months now uh, through, through AT&T. Uh, David, which of these phones have you handled uh, either in the store or I don't think you've owned any of them, right? No, that's correct. I have very minimal experience with these devices, to be honest. But what sticks out to me just initially is the 650 does have an OLED clear black display. I knew you would notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, zoom like, David is going to zoom in, zoom in on that. I said zoom in. Wow. Um, hey, nice one. <laughs> uh, okay, so this Lumia 650 I have not handled. I have read reviews and videos and like that kind of stuff. And, you know, just my opinion at this point. Uh, Lumia 640XL, as soon as it was available on AT- AT&T, I bought one. I kept it for 13 and a half days, returned it, paid the restocking fee, and said that was fun. Uh, it's not quite worth it to me at this point. Hmm. Not, 
It was 250 bucks. I mean, that wasn't too bad. But I had the 830. I had the 1520 working fine. I was expecting another um, flagship coming out, which, of course, did soon after, 950. Um, so, yeah. And Lumia 830, I got that on day one. I used it uh, for, I think, a straight year or so. I don't know. And it's still one of my most favorite uh, Lumia devices, at least. Okay. Well, now, and then I guess what about them? Made, I mean, what about it made it your, your, I don't know, your favorite, I guess? Was it, and then also, you, you had your 1520 during this time. So, it's hard, would it be hard for you to think about one of those devices without having your 1520 there, or? Well, I was actually, <clears throat> I was happier with the 830, ever so slight, slightly more, I was ever, ever so slightly happier with the 830 or at 30 than the 1520 for a regular daily driver and that was primarily because if it could fit my hand easily it could fit my pocket easily it was not a challenge that way and that's some people just don't have that problem or they just don't mind put it in their purse or like their bag or whatever and that it completely changes the game of course battery life is absolutely awesome on the 1520 that's true and the same goes for the 640xl um, and Aaron in the chat is saying that the, the 640 battery life is very good as well, which is which is true. But the 640 XL, of course, has a bigger battery. Well, and screen size, the 640 is actually XL is very similar size wise too. I think it's the same size as the the 950 XL, isn't it? Uh, that's right. But in the hand, the 1520 and the 640 XL are not. I mean, they don't feel the same. That's for sure. Hmm. I mean, the the 1520 is heavy and solid. The 640XL is is light, not not a flimsy feel to it, but for that size, I mean, it, it's still smaller. It feels even less smaller than the three-tenths of an inch would indicate. Hmm. Um, uh, it's more pocketable, obviously, but it's just not. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. I um, think part of that, I think actually a big part of that is what they're doing on like the 950, 950XL as well, is they're really rounding those corners off. The 1520 had really sharp corners, uh, which I actually enjoyed because I don't, I think I shared this on a previous episode, but people that had issues holding a 1520 with one hand, one thing that I, one tip that I gave was put the corner in between your, your index, your middle finger and your ring finger. And if you tuck it in the middle, you can actually grip it pretty easily. And you can't do that at all with the rounded corner ones. So just that weird little strange tactic doesn't work on those. That's very true. Truly is. Uh, I guess let's go right to the specs here. We'll just read them off. Or, or um, I don't know which who should read and who should interrupt and say yay or nay on this. Um, well, I guess we'll just go with. We're not going to read all the specs here. Well, we can go with the weight. The uh, 830 is 150 grams. The 640XL is 171 grams, and I can tell you it does not feel like that. It feels a lot lighter. And the 650 is 122 grams, which I've not carried, uh, held, but I've heard it feels very well balanced or whatever. Hmm. Uh, display size again, uh, the 830 and the 650 are, um, five inch. And of course the 650XL is a 5.7. All, all four are the, uh, 720p displays, which, um, Let's see, we're at 296 and 297 for the 5 inch displays, uh, PPI, and then 259 for the 5.7 inch display. David, what do you think about maybe expand upon uh, LCD, uh, an IPS LCD versus an OLED? 
Well, yeah. Uh, before I quite get into that, though, you mentioned the weights of each one. I found it interesting that the 830 is the only one with um, built-in wireless QI charging, and it's not the heaviest. I remember that was a complaint of the 920 initially, was how heavy it was, and that was largely due to the fact that it had wireless charging. Well, it's interesting to note that, albeit 640XL is, the lar- like screen-wise, the largest device, it is slightly heavier than the 830. So that's interesting to note. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the screens, I mean, really, it is just preference. Um, you you want to, um, if you like vibrant, rich color, um, and you just prioritize that, the AMOLED or OLED in this case will very much satisfy your needs. But I know some folks thinks it's, thinks it is too saturated, too exaggerated, and they prefer the LCD more. How would you say it? It's a little bit more um, pulled back. It's not so sharp. But and then also there are color correction options. I don't. I can't speak to the. What is it? The eight thirty has the the OLED. No, the six fifty. Uh, the six fifty does. Right. I I can't speak to the color saturation options in Windows 10 Mobile, but I know for like the 1020, for example, you could really adjust the color controls to fit it how you wanted it, despite it being an OLED screen. So it really is personal preference, I think. Yeah, Windows Phone 10 uh, is really good to have that option in there, too. I I don't remember exactly when that came around, but it's it's there. You don't need to be in preview to uh, mess around with the color. Okay, that's good. That's good. Extra display tweaks, I guess. And here's another minor little difference that we should point out. The Windows 10 mobile device doesn't have the physical back, start, and search keys as the software ones. And the Windows uh, Windows Phone 8.1 devices have the hardware keys. That's a good point, except that the... I didn't think that the Oh, I know, I lied. I lied. The 830... Just, the, just the 830 has... Uh, I, guess, I guess we can talk about all that now. The 830 does have a... Uh, camera dedicated camera button and of course yeah. the capacitive uh, off-screen keys I suppose is how you would say it uh, where the 640 XL and the 650 both have on-screen uh, you know um, what do you call them Nav- yeah navigation keys I suppose neither I th- have neither have the camera dedicated camera button I think that the what the Microsoft website is wrong then what do you see look under look under operating keys for the 650, 640XL, it says UI keys back, start, and search. It doesn't mention it on the 650, and it doesn't mention it on the 830. The 830 um, is the one with the with the actual capacitive buttons, isn't it? Um. Well, yeah, but they're not physical keys. What am I? I'll have to read this again here. Yeah, but the Our 640 has software keys, right? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that may not be correct. Okay, well, we have handled these phones, and we, we, well, I guess we think we know what we're talking about, and the chat can <laughs> confirm that. But uh, David, I think you're right. The Microsoft, <laughs> yeah, the really, 830 is really... the only one without software keys. Yeah. Okay, so if if anyone was not clear on that yet, well, basically you just cleared it up, David. Um, those are capacitive keys plus the uh, camera dedicated camera button on the 830. The others are just uh, software keys. Thank you, at else John, for clearing that right up in the chat. All right, so what? Uh, back to where I was here. Um, next, we're just going in line here. The onboard storage: sixteen gigabytes on the six hundred and fifty, sixteen gigabytes on the um, on the eight hundred and thirty, but just eight gigabytes on the six hundred and forty XL. And so, hmm. 
is that a, a downer? It is a downer. And David, you don't use these low end devices very, very often, but I'll take your get your take on it first. Is that how big of a deal is that? It, it depends. Uh, from eight gigs is not enough. It is good to note that each device does have memory card size. You can add micro SD card expansion. That is good to note. So on that front, it doesn't matter quite as much. But for mo- if if you're not to add any expandable storage, eight gigabytes is just flat out not enough, in my opinion. If you want apps, if you want great photos and videos, high quality ones, and you want music, for example, I do not think eight gigabytes is going to cut it. However. You, Vernon, have more experience with lower-end phones, so what? What, do you, what is your take on that? Well, I don't put a lot of photos on the lower-end phones, but, uh, you know, like really load things up that way. But for music, should not be a problem. If you can put all your entire music collection on there with an SD card, and not, it won't be any worse than than anything else, as far as as long as the SD card is is, is uh, adequate. And with these, I'll just call these lower-end phones, uh, mid-range phones, they're not going to um, – it just won't be a problem. You won't have to spend uh, 150 bucks for a 64-gig card that's going to work and you get something cheaper. It's, it isn't that big of a deal. And the way that Windows Windows 10 Mobile does move apps around and you could really granularly, like, like, like I said last year, the episode before, about um, moving the apps around – it's not as big a deal as it used to be. That being said, if people are selling this, they want a good out-of-box experience. Yeah, you're going to load that thing up, but by the time you have it set up, it's going to be full. You'll be like, oh, really? I have to go buy an SD card? And you don't want to just run to to your local holiday to go pick up a, an SD card. You want to actually get something off of Amazon, something reasonable. Um, but, of course... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what I was saying there. Uh, batteries, 2,200 milliamp hour on the uh, 830, 2,000 on the 650, and 3,000 on the 15 on the wow on the um, 640XL. That's a pretty big difference. Yeah. Uh, What's is the that, 650 doing? Well, uh, it's, it's bigger. I mean, that's the whole point. But um, you know, you can fit more fit more in there. The larger battery, and uh, of course, they they do also. They're all replaceable. Well, um, re- yeah, replaceable battery. Uh, I should mention this. It's not in the, our notes here, but uh, they are all micro SD uh, ports, I suppose. And of course, like we mentioned, the eight thirty is the only one with wireless charging. So none of these have fast charging, like the six, like the nine fifty oh, does. Bummer. And um, but of course, you can use a. I mean, they have nicer chargers. You can get like a two point five amp, and it'll charge it relatively quick. I think. Um, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to dig dig into that. Open that can of worms, I guess. Um, the rest of the stuff that's on here, we haven't really talked about camera yet. That's probably going to be the biggest one. Um, anything in the sensors that's worth mentioning, David, before we get to the processors? Eh, they've, they've all got the, they've all got the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, for the processors, both the 830 has, the, the 830 has the Snapdragon 400, which I'm pretty sure was the first Windows phone to have that. The Lumia 640 and the 640XL, the one we're talking about, uh, does have the Snapdragon 400 as well, so the same processor. And the 650 has the Qualcomm Snapdragon 212. Now, that's a lower number, and it's like, oh, my God, we should be getting bigger numbers here. I can't 
personally, uh, I haven't used it to really know if this is good enough or not, but check the reviews, you know, Daniel Rubino and whoever people that, that check these out. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard good enough things about the Snapdragon 212. I think it's, uh, it's a wash across the three of them as far as processor, uh, that, um, I can't think of, uh, I don't know. I think that's it Yeah, for, for that. So all things considered, my official response Hold on, I think hold on. I, Cameras, camera. What? Oh, freak. Yeah, camera. Okay. So, you know, looking at these, I don't remember them. Okay, this makes sense now. Okay. Um, 830, 10 megapixel camera. I am very satisfied with that camera. It is great. It is, it's not as good as like, you know, zooming in, you know, uh, uh, with, um, uh, what am I missing here? As far as, um, it's not a high pixel count, so you can't zoom in as well as you could on some of the other ones. Uh, but that's still only compared to a 13 megapixel on the uh, 640XL, which is very good. Many people are happy with that, like my friends who didn't know any better were telling me. And, of course, we have a 8 megapixel camera on the um, uh, 650, which I have not tried, but I've heard great things. Uh, the cameras just tend to keep getting better and better. Any of these phones, I mean, these, like people have been saying, these are whooping most other, pretty much any other phone with uh, any other $200 phone with, um, these cameras are very, very good for the price is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Anything to add to that, David? I mean. Well, it's a little scary that the 650 only does 720p, whereas the other devices, at least their back or you know, main camera does 1080p. And in the case of the 640XL, both the front and the back do 1080p full HD, and the 650 doesn't on either. Hmm. Also, it's interesting to note that the 650 does two times zoom, and the other two devices, the 830 and the 640XL, both have four times zoom. Hmm. I forgot that the, that the 650, that the 830 had optical image stabilization. Uh, uh, so that is a leg up, although that's getting fixed pretty well in software anyway. Um, and I guess we didn't actually talk about the front-facing cameras. Selfie cameras, uh, both the 650 and the 640XL have the um, 5 megapixel, uh, well, they call it a wide angle, and I think it's I think it's the same camera. The 830, since it is archaic in the phone years, uh, has the 0.9 megapixel wide angle, and um, it's not that great really but it's 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 a 0.9 megapixel <laughs> front-facing camera what do you expect um what am i missing here is that it um i don't see anything else you know all these other little specs so um yeah i don't see anything else not either. really worth worth discussing um i guess we can just go right to price then and then see if it's truly worth it to people yeah the 830 which has been out for a while. I, I picked up, I grabbed these these prices off of Amazon. These are basically the highest price you're going to find them from a reputable buyer. These are brand new devices. These are from, well, from Nokia and slash Microsoft via Amazon. The 830 you can get for $198 for the green and the orange. And if you went with the black one, you could get it for $170. The 640XL, uh, $230, $230 from Microsoft via Amazon. Uh, 
and the 650 is 291.27. I don't know where they came up with that uh, from Microsoft <laughs> via Amazon. And those were the, I would say those are basically the highest prices I saw. And you could, obviously you can get refurbs, you know, for 80 bucks or whatever, and still probably be just fine, especially if you want it to last you, you know, a year or something. What do you think about that spread? I mean, there's a there's a hundred dollar spread between the eight thirty and the uh, six fifty. Yeah, from price alone, the six forty XL and eight thirty are competitive by what thirty dollars? Mm-hmm. Extremely competitive. We have, like you said, almost a one hundred dollar gap from the six fifty and the eight thirty, which would be. And if you're getting a black one, it'd be even larger of a gap. Which, the black one just means that the back panel is black. And I think in most of them, if you get the green one, you get the green, you know, it comes with the green back panel, which also comes with a black back panel, at least I through see. AT&T. So literally, just get the cheapest new one, the the fifty the, the black one, and then just buy for, I don't know, 12 bucks or something get the uh the green or orange back if you want or um, a non-oem uh, color back if you want which, so pro- price which considered- probably doesn't have chi wireless charging on it actually yeah so wireless charging is a huge pull if you are a 1520 owner and you did not have it on at&t you had it you know from some unlocked one you do have wireless charging on your 1520 if you bought it through AT&T, you do not have wireless charging on your 1520. So, if you are very, very comfortable with the wireless charging, you might look at the 830. Also, the prices really can't be beat. Um, otherwise, I would f- recommend a 640XL as a replacement to a 1520, considering the amazing camera that it has, the competitive price that it has. As if Vernon and I haven't sung the praises of that device enough, um, that is the, my official choice. How about you, Vernon? I tend to stick with what I like, and I tend to try to justify my my reasoning for for sending back or returning this the 640 XL. Sadly, I still like the 830, and and that we really didn't even talk about the actual feel in the hand of these things. Um, then again, if you want a bigger battery and you want a bigger display, it's very simple. Go with the 640 XL, and the camera will be certainly adequate. But I feel if you're going to a phone that you're not just going to show off but actually use, if you think of it that way, I'm still going with the 830 just for many, hmm. I mean, all around. I think it's, excuse me, it's a pretty big, pretty easy um, easy decision. Uh, Aaron in the chat does mention that officially the 830 has been discontinued. It is on the Microsoft website, but I could not, could not buy it there. But like I said, officially, Nokia is still selling it through, you know, new ones through Amazon for, and the, uh, you know, for the price I quoted, one one ninety eight. So now, for anyone that would have chosen a six fifty, please write to MS Mobile Show at contact at mobileshow dot com <laughs> and write an essay as to why you think that that would be the choice and replacement for the fifteen twenty. Hmm. So we will actually have this as our poll. Uh, oddly, we would try to get, uh, share the poll first, and then we would discuss it on the next episode. But please, uh, you know, share your results or choose vote, I should say, and then tweet at us angrily and tell us why we are wrong. And that's totally fine. One oh, last, totally. one last thing, kind of silly, but the eight thirty and the six forty both have many more color options. You can yeah. get, um, well, four, yeah. 
green, orange, white, and black for the 830, and white, black, blue, like a cyan, and uh, looks like, I guess, the same orange on the 640XL. And I think it's only black and white for the, yeah, it's black and white for the 650, which I don't understand why they did that, but I'm not a designer. So probably, yeah, probably the, for eight, good the 830, the 830 era of devices, um, they just rejected cyan and like yellow and all the care, all the colors I really loved about the Nokia range in the beginning. And that made me sad. So I was really happy when they, um, when they got back to cyan for the 640 XL. Mm-hmm. We talked about that an awful lot. I stumbled through it because I wasn't very very planned. But now I get to be quiet, and David gets to talk about some other awesome well, stuff. You don't get to be quiet. You get to continue to talk the same amount. I'm Come grunt on, and nod and all that. And yeah. You should just slurp your beverage really loudly while I'm talking. I can do that, yeah. Okay, sweet. So the next topic of discussion is pitting. Google Docs versus Office Online, which is Microsoft's offering of sort of an... Honestly, it's a direct competitor to Google Docs, is what it is. However, Microsoft's pulled it off extremely well. It looks... First off, it looks a lot like the modern Microsoft Office Word application. Well, Excel and PowerPoint as well. And I think that's really cool how they handled that and got it to look really consistent and similar. And they have sort of the, you know, the online collaboration features Google Docs has been known for. And Google Docs has had a lot more, or Google's had a lot more experience in this space when they did Google Docs. I don't remember when they did it exactly. I want to say 2010, I think, maybe is when it kind of got big. Um, And Office Online really only started to get big. It's not even really big right now, but, you know, I'd say 2013 or something. I could be wrong. Um, but in comparing them, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Vernon, too, depending on what your experience with Google Docs is. Um, but just to say really quickly, a, a really quick comparison between them is Google Docs is more web-first, I would say, in nature. Where, at, where the, There is slight more polish and ideas of how they deal with collaboration and you know sharing and those sorts of things. But Office Online is brilliant in the sense that it is truly multi-platform. It is everywhere. You can. It's a lot more um, um, service platform agnostic in a sense, which is kind of which is kind of ironic that we're actually distilling web-centric versus platform agnostic. That there is a difference between those two things. Um, and I'll I'd be happy to get a little bit more in depth in that pretty soon. But Vernon, what are your what are your initial thoughts about the differences and strengths and weaknesses of each platform? Well, Google is um, fine. It's it's really gotten its the Google Docs has really permeated into the education sphere that that area. Uh, my daughter deals with that. She, you know, complains about it, and it's like, but she also likes how it is so simple. Well, like I mentioned on last episode or the one before. There's so many things in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, Outlook, all that kind of thing, that as long as you just use those same four things, you're good. Just don't, you know, you don't have to use those extra things. You can hide the ribbon and whatnot. Whereas Google Docs, it dumbs it down, which is fine, but, and most people will use, most people will not be lacking, but it is nice to have the professional version, I feel, with with Microsoft's um, Office Suite, obviously. And, of course, the Definitely. web versions are not 
Then I'll have the absolute full functionality as the as the what we call desktop apps, but they are very close and they really. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just like that side of it. I guess I can. I don't know what else you were really. Uh, no, that's right. Getting out, getting at. I guess. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good assessment of the two. Um, and it, they aren't fully featured in the browser, but again, you know, they they do share a lot of features and they look they look consistent. I think that's what Microsoft's doing very well. Is they're sort of looking at ways people use applications and you know everyone's used word right everyone's used windows and they've said okay you know what are sort of the familiar what are first off what are the design elements that work and what are people familiar with and then they're sticking to those very closely no matter whether it's on the web or on your mobile device etc the only gripe i really have with office online is i wish they would take some of the most powerful features, not even advanced like you were saying, Vernon. I'm talking the most powerful features and actually make them on every version of Office. For example, Word 2016 on Windows has the type in what you want to do option. That is the most brilliant addition to Office, in my opinion. And that's on that's on every Office uh, app for 2016 on Windows. But as soon as you open Office 2016 for Mac, it's not there. And it's not. I don't think it's on Office Online either. Which is our big disappointment because that by itself, people don't want to click through the ribbons and click format and then go to view and figure out how to make, you know, the, the orientation of the page landscape to portrait or whatever. People just want to type in, I want portrait and click the option. And that's what you can do in 2016 on Windows. So I want to see that in, in Office Online and I want to see those kind of really, um, things that really help the user experience and shine through. And I want them on the mobile devices. I want them on iOS, Android. Uh, and that's just one example. I, there are several more. Too. Well, I have a contrasting opinion regarding that, similar to that, um, which Aaron brings up in the chat, which is a very good point. But since I'm on the podcast and he's not, I'm taking credit for it. No, I've had this opinion for a while too, but this is Aaron is dead on with this. Basically that students learning, you know, high school, college, whatever, learning Google Docs and being productive with that, that's fine. They're, they're accomplishing what they need to with it. But then they get to grown-up land, the business world, and they get a real job or whatever. And I don't know what the percentage is, but I mean probably 75 to 98% or whatever of of what you would call enterprise works, workspace uses Microsoft Office. And um, you need to be able to function in that. And you are starting to just barely see where a resume will say proficiency with Microsoft Office or similar word processing programs or something, a, a must or a requirement, a you know a highly valued or whatever. But Microsoft Office is the way to do it um, when it comes to that. Now, obviously, like Aaron said earlier in the chat, give him more credit, uh, he said that we're not talking about the desktop versions. We're talking about online. True. Very good point, but I think the online version is what people get started on, and then they grow up to whatever the next thing is, right? And even if it's, even if it was a Mac, what is it? Um, pages, I guess, for for uh, for OS X. Um, I don't know if there's an online version of that. I guess I don't think there is. Yeah, there is. Well, there is. I mean, iWork I has like you know their little suite of applications. If you go to iCloud.com, you actually are able to get access web versions of those apps that are extremely limited and are barely worth mentioning in my opinion um they don't really compare okay um but yeah i have to i have to disagree though a little bit i think it is important to mention the desktop applications when we talk about office online 
because um, there aren't desktop app equivalents for Google Docs. And that is one of Office Online's strengths, is it can be manipulated in a, in a, um, in a desktop program and uh, still be fine in, on the web. And so it'd just be interesting to see Google's take on, you know, an app and how, if it would render appropriately and push to be pushed to the web. And so I think, you know, that is sort of another component that should be brought up, but that's, that's my opinion. Well, since we're still on this and it's just only a a small step sideways here, um, I really, really like the Outlook office, uh, the, the desktop, uh, app or you know program where david i know that for for mail you really do prefer web especially uh gmail as you've said before i don't know how that's still you know um and what what is your and i i don't know i just feel like the uh, office or outlook is just solid and it's like it's stable i don't have anything to worry about all i need is a little bit of of uh, data occasionally up uploading um you know like my new mail and everything else is right there. And, and it's just, I guess, solid. Whereas, um, well, I guess what's your, your argument for web mail? Here's the thing. I am transitioning to outlook desktop and I do see the merits of it, but here's my experience flat out. The archive option. Gmail has had it since like the beginning. Outlook has just gotten the archive option, which is great. Uh, but that's an issue. Folders are great. Labels are better in Gmail. We can have things be under multiple labels. You can have sub-labels, like you can have sub-folders. If they're more flexible, it's like they took categories in Outlook and they took folders in Outlook and they made them one thing, which is really brilliant, in my opinion. Gmail renders things better. If you, if anyone listening has ever dealt with email coding, like I do for my job, it is a nightmare to program emails for Outlook, particularly 2013. It's gotten better in 2016 because it uses, it's, it's, it uses words, um, interpreter of html instead of a web-based one so like rules get ignored like margin in the css and so you know you have everything perfectly optimized looks great in outlook.com even it looks great in gmail and it looks terrible in outlook 2013 which is so frustrating um which is not i mean that's that's sort of another discussion um but i want to love outlook and i'm this close to doing because they are getting better but gmail just does things a little bit faster and it just does things a little bit smarter, in my opinion. Now, I wish it could sync to OneDrive and like a lot of the Microsoft stuff. That's that's the thing that Alec has going for it. It's in such a great ecosystem. Well, would you say that you prefer the web you know, interface to mail because that is where Gmail, which you prefer, is? Or would you say that it is just because you prefer web and you happen to also prefer the way Gmail does that? It's speed, man. That's what it is. And I, I would probably use Outlook if it was snappier and faster than Gmail, but Gmail has just been faster for me. And I, I don't want to wait for email for any reason. Hmm. Because I guess on a Windows phone, for example, I, you know, I don't get Gmail. It isn't, uh, well, it's, it's, they're, what am I saying? They're not, I can't get push notifications on Gmail last I checked. I don't really check my Gmail often. Maybe I'm missing something here, David. And also, also, as far as speed, Outlook, even if you have your Gmail through Outlook on the desktop, which is actually a really big pain to set up, you have to, it's not, it's not easy. Um, that way, it's just quick. The program is there on your hard drive, and then you're basically just letting, you know, you're just receiving and sending 
none of that is hampered by your internet connection or whatever. It's on the hard drive. And that's my that's my reason for, for liking Outlook on the the desktop uh, program. Wonderful. We'll see, like, again, like, for my job, I test emails, right? So I'm, I'm like, impatiently waiting for those test emails from MailChimp, for example. And I'm hitting refresh, and it pops up in Gmail. And I have to wait, like, an extra 20 seconds for it to appear in Outlook. And that's just the nature of how it is. Things on the web are just quicker. There, there are less hurdles to jump through. Um, also, I want to clarify, Aaron. Uh, so archiving, I don't mean in the sense that, you know, taking archives and saving them on their hard drive. I just mean the archive option. Instead of deleting a message, when you click archive, it just goes into a general all-mail section of it's still stored on the web um and maybe that maybe that feature has existed for a while but there's they've only recently put an archive button in the interface i know that because in 2016 for mac and 2016 for windows a few months ago they said the archive button is here and they made a big deal out of it that's what i'm talking about not necessarily archiving and saving locally that that's a different kind of archive that's not the quite the archive i was talking about just just for clarification well, let's. I think we probably talked enough about uh, mail, but we talk. We we're talking about web online or web, yeah. Um, Office online versus Google Docs, and and they're in parity in many ways, except OneNote. OneNote is still True. kicking butt everywhere, I think, and I really, really love that it's still there. We use it all the time, and I barely scratching the surface on. Uh, truly how much you can do with it. And I cannot, I did not know of a Google equivalent. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, um, Evernote, I guess, can kind of be the Google equivalent because you can get it, you know, it's a, uh, it fills that gap, I guess. So mm-hmm. plenty of Gmail add-ons. So b- before we quite leave this topic, I do want to mention a good friend of mine, Mon Boon Prom, who is an IT systems engineer lead for Pierce County, which is the the county in which I happen to reside, he wrote an article. He travels a lot, and he wrote an article on LinkedIn, and he compared Google Docs versus Word in an airplane. Now, for anyone that knows about internet on an airplane, the go-go connection is pretty dang slow, and it's pretty frustrating to use if you're trying to do... They basically ban you from watching videos and streaming content because it's they have to throttle it so much, and anywho... He decided to do a direct comparison on his iPad Mini Gen 1. <laughs> I love it. He listed the seat he was sitting in and what the name of the <laughs> flight was and everything and the ground speed of the flight. And then he has iPad Mini Gen 1, Google Drive with Google Docs free account, OneDrive with Microsoft Word free account. And it's very well laid out and documented. I'm going to link it. We're going to link it in the show notes. And he basically, spoiler alert, um, he opened a Google, a Google Doc in the app on his iPad, and it, it just was a terrible experience with shoddy internet. And um, he got frustrated, so he emailed the doc to himself, to his Outlook.com account. He opened it in Word, and he said it was a, an amazing experience. He said it was totally smooth. It never gave him problems. It worked in the background and didn't give him any trouble. And so what he's saying is he keeps finding reasons to use Google and Microsoft He's finding reasons to use both of them, and it's just an interesting point where if you do want the best of what you can what you can be offered, you really have to use multiple ecosystems. And I think I think he's shooting towards one ecosystem. I, I could be putting words in his mouth, um, but it's a cool post, and I recommend that you read it because um, you know he's a pretty objective guy. He uses a lot of different platforms. So anyway, cool. Well. Um... 
I'm really glad you brought that up, David, that you dug into it and you compared them. That was a really good thing to have on the show. Do you want to cover anything else uh, right now? Um, I think I just wanted to bring one thing about Xbox really quick and then we can move on. Um, the Xbox app in Windows 10 is actually pretty cool. Um, you ba- it's basically a, the main view is a stream of content of people getting achievements and people's like their replay being shown on their Xbox One or on their Windows machine. How cool would it be if Xbox Live arcade games you've purchased appear in the Xbox app? Sort of like how when you purchase something on Steam, it will appear in your library. And the reason why I don't think that's a very big hurdle is because they're already emulating Xbox 360 games on Xbox One, which has a Windows 10 core. So it really wouldn't be that crazy to consider if you have to emulating the same kind of uh, gaming experience to Windows 10 device. It really wouldn't be that tough, it seems like. And so, if Microsoft, if you're listening, all those games I bought, what, almost 10, less than, a little bit less than 10 years ago for my Xbox 360 that were the smaller, less sophisticated games, I want them on my Windows 10 device, please. And thank you. <laughs> cool. All right, let's jump to personal app music and podcast picks. David, do you have an app for us? I do. I have a little mobile game called Traffic Rider, and I'm not usually a huge fan of mobile games, but this one's cool because it has a very good, very good consistent frame rate. It has decent graphics and very smooth, non-stuttery gameplay. And um, a device that's this game's very like a high-speed racing game. And for a game that's high speed and racing and has graphics as good as they are, it's a miracle that it doesn't drop frames and it performs very, very well. So if you'd like a smooth game, try out Traffic Rider. It is free. Cool. I'm going to go the way of David B. Kimball and recommend Swarm. Uh, I finally got back into it and, yeah, it's not that bad. Um, it's cool. So check it out. Uh, check it out. Swarm. Nice. Formerly Foursquare. Or owned by Foursquare, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, my music pick is called Fat Man by Jesse Rose. It can be described as dub swing, or like electro swing and dubstep, and the Katina band from Star Wars. It is. It literally sounds like that. Uh, so check it out if you want a pretty swinging, awesome Katina band song. I thought it was Cantina, wasn't it? Like a. No, I think it's Katina. I think it's Katina. All right, all right, chat room, fill us in. Is it Cantina Band from Star Wars, or is it the Katina Band? I thought it was like a, you know, like a canteen, like a stop. Oh, at the... you're right. It's Cantina Band. You're right. Wasn't sure though, but I just, yeah, maybe. Uh, podcast. I know I just subscribed to a new one, and I cannot remember what it was I was listening to. I talked about the mission log one. I talked talked about louder with Crowder. No credit, no debt, no problems. Talked about. Um, what else did I listen to lately? Dang it. Now, now, what podcast app are you looking at right now? Well, I'm just using um, Podcast uh, Lounge. Nice. And that's just the ones I have subscribed in here. I do not remember what it was. It was a new one I was listening to. All right. Well, that's pretty lame. Um, uh, I'll just go right to Twitter tip. Um, <laughs> not quite as lame as me because I don't even have one. Hey, you said it this time. Uh, my Twitter tip... <laughs> I'm so mean. I uh Okay, my Twitter tip is I unfollow people on Twitter sometimes. And I'm I've 
I I follow them for the lamest little nitpicky reasons, but I'm so nice about it. I'm just freaking weird, okay? And so there was this person on I followed on Twitter. We met on Blab or something like that. And um uh oh yeah, follow yeah, follow me on Twitter, you bet. And so this dude, uh this guy is a social media promotional, you know, like a Social, social Wait, media guru. A social media promotional guy on Blab? What? Heavens no. Say it ain't so. Um, and so, nice guy, uh, whatever. And his Twitter feed was pretty much buffer. It was pretty much every every 45 minutes there was a new post and or, you know, new tweet. And pretty, you know, he was promoting other people's stuff. But about half of it was his own and that's okay. And, you know, or as far as, you know, actual links, promoting sayings and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, uh, you know, Motivation Monday and all that kind of thing. (laughs) But it was just the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, I would just like, oh, I've seen this tweet like nine times uh, this week. Um, And I don't even like follow this guy very closely. And it also got – and then I'm like, you know – this is obviously buffer. You could tell, but then I go through and I see how often he's actually interacting with people, and also seeing how often people are liking, retweeting, responding, whatever, quoting the tweets that he's sharing. Pretty much nothing. I'm pretty much a stagnant. Just think of a spaceship heading to Pluto, and it's just on autopilot, and it's just going, but nobody's home. Nothing's really happening. <laughs> and the guy's awesome to chat with on Blab. Obviously, I'm not going to call out his name. But I wrote him a, a a direct message, and how much time we got? This is a long message. Um, what time is it? Fifty four like minutes? minutes. Okay. Hey, person. I'm not going to say your name. We met on Blab, and I recall having several great conversations with you. I know that many of our values align. I'm messaging you because I wanted to let you know why I intend to unfollow you on Twitter. Reading back through your timeline, I usually see three to four scheduled tweets, of which I have begun. Which I have begun have begun to be predictable. Uh, I don't know what that means. If not annoying. I, also, I rarely, if ever, see respond to anyone or compose a personal tweet. Not even a self-promoting selfie. At this point, my timeline is getting plugged up with your tweets, preventing me from seeing what real people are saying in real time. This is not why I use Twitter. Also, if I were to make an assumption based off of your follower to following ratio, I may not be the only one that doesn't find as much value in how you use social media. As I hope you understand, I have no ill will towards you. In fact, I waited to unfollow you until I had time to type this out. Best of luck. I'm sure I will see you around the web. Vernon E.L. Smith. I am so mean and I'm so nice about it because David would have just unfollowed the guy and not even said why. So, hmm, is that neither? See, I don't really know. And so, I maybe I'm that. Hopefully, you, some of you listeners have never gotten a uh, direct message from me like this. Um, wh- am I just a horrible human being, David? Maybe I well, am. How did he or she respond? They didn't respond. Oh, I don't know what that means, really. <laughs> maybe maybe they couldn't respond because you can't send DMs to people that don't follow you. <laughs> oh. Is that <laughs> okay? That's that's a very good point. Yeah, because I've still uh, chatted with him on Blab occasionally, and still a great guy there. But that's that's his okay. medium, Blab, right? Not right, necessarily right. Twitter. 
or I mean, not. I think it's I think it's crazy to I mean, what, what you basically did was you said I think it was good because you you basically explained why you're unfollowing and say, hey, here's a heads up. Maybe other people feel the same way, so you might want to consider a different tactic. Um, on the flip side of that, it could be you just told him that you think the way he uses it is wrong. So it has good and bad parts, I guess. I, I mean, maybe maybe you um, knew him well enough to tell him that. And in that case, it is good. Uh, maybe... Um, yeah, I mean, you should talk to him about it and blab, see what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So that's me. Um, that's kind of me on Twitter. And people know that I don't really follow many people. I don't, I'm not very good at Twitter, I guess, whatever that is. But uh, that's how I use Twitter and not how everyone else uses it necessarily. No, really, because you mentioned you, you, you do it to see real-time conversations. That is really the bread and butter of Twitter. And it's getting rarer, and it is getting buffery, and it is getting kind of spammy. So I don't think you're using it wrong at all, Vernon, for the record. You know, I should have prefaced this, that the direct message in our conversation before this was from him, Hey, thanks for the follow. How long have you been marketing online via Crowdwire? Like oh so oh man he that's auto D, auto DM'd me after I followed him. That's folks. If you don't know, that's like a big. You just man. don't you don't you don't mm. pull that. Um, yeah. Anyway, not that, that was not, not around these parts. You don't. <laughs> that was putting it nicely, Vernon. Props to you. Enough of that. Um, <laughs> what, what what do we have left of the show here? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think now's a pretty good time to... But that that is a good point, though, actually. Tw- I, I think Twitter is a good public self, um, but it is really niche in the sense you probably only use it for one or two things. So as, as soon as you use that identity and you throw you connect your Twitter account to Blab, I mean, you can meet anyone on there that has nothing to do with your niche, and then you feel inclined to follow them because they're kind of a cool person, but then they have nothing to do with the thing you use Twitter for. So I think what you're describing, Vernon, is an actual thing people experience so i don't think you're alone in that Mm -hmm. excuse me um boy that's it that's it that's it um hey thanks for listening everyone i get some crazy burps still thanks for listening you can i wonder why yeah right uh you can follow us as you probably do on twitter at, at ms mobile show we tweet occasionally actually probably not enough well, we don't use Buffer, and we don't tweet out links. You know, like, I actually do use Buffer for Twitter oh. for for our for MS Mobile show. And okay, let me rephrase: we don't abuse Buffer. Well, that's your that's your opinion, but um, we <laughs> we use it uh, sparingly. That's for sure. Probably not even enough, actually. Anyway, because um, you'll notice most people will either on when- Monday or Wednesday you'll get like nine tweets, uh, <laughs> and then that's a not nine, but like four, and then the rest of the week pretty much nothing. So, uh, follow us, follow us at MS Mobile Show. Follow us on Twitter at MS Mobile Show. Email us, uh, contact at MS Mobile Show. Facebook, MS Mobile Show. Um, follow David because he is, he's awesome at Twitter. And if you, I guess. if you want, you can follow me. I'm Vernon El. Um, thanks again for listening. I'm just whatever. If you have anything to add, David? Let's be done. <laughs> yeah, let's be done. <laughs> Stay mobile.